want to say a thank you on behalf of uh, Zach and Paige Stroop. I know they would want to say thank you for your prayers for them as we had a memorial yesterday and a graveside for Lily Grace Stroop, who uh, I think many of you are aware um, uh, was born and uh, died within within an hour or so. And they knew that going in. She had encephaly, I think is the correct way to pronounce that, brain not developed. And uh, many of you there yesterday for that um, memorial uh, we did at the Brentwood campus. And, and we sing, you know, thanks for singing those words because that's the community of faith around Zach and Paige. It's a community of people who believe what we just sang and the table that we just experienced, the goodness of God, even in the midst of such a difficult situation. Uh, I, I do have one thing I want to ask you to think about. Do you know during COVID, we've had to um, postpone, put off baptisms, and it's difficult to do those in a COVID-safe protocol. Uh, and so we've been praying, thinking about how do, how do we do that? Because baptism, of course, being that uh, it's a step of faith, it's a step of obedience. It is for those who have put their trust in Christ, it, it, it perhaps is one of the first steps of obedience we might take, where we are baptized and, and in that baptism proclaiming, God saved me. And this is a picture of it, buried with Christ in his death, raised with Christ in his resurrection, forgiven of all sin, cleansed from all unrighteousness and clothed in his. It's, it's important to our journey of faith. And so we've not been able to do it how we would normally do that, but we are, we are gonna do baptisms and uh, we're gonna figure that out. We're gonna come to you. We, we've got some creative thoughts around how, how we can do that. So if you want to be baptized and this is a work of the spirit and you go, this is my time. Maybe you just came to faith. It could be you've known Christ for a long time. You just haven't taken that step of obedience. Uh, go to baptismatfellowship.com and you will walk through a series of questions. It'll, it'll guide you. We always interview those being baptized and just ensuring they're, that it's not just a you know, profession apart from genuine belief. Um, and then we're gonna work with you on, on getting you under the water. It won't be in the same way we've always done it, but I, I'm super excited uh, about uh, being able to continue to uh, provide that and, and to be able to do that together. So if you're interested, if the spirit stirs you and you go, this, I do want to be baptized, please go to that website and uh, you'll get all the information you need and we'll follow up with you. Okay, let's take our Bibles. We're gonna go to Matthew chapter, five, chapter six, verses 19 to 24. Uh, we are four months into our study of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you guys. It's pretty crazy that we take these three chapters and it takes so long. Well, um, it, it's taken long for a reason as we go verse by verse through, this, through Jesus's sermon on the Mount. We know this, Jesus, these, these words from Jesus, we've said this many times, provide perhaps in the Bible the clearest and most direct picture of what a person looks like, what they do and what's going on in their hearts if they're following Jesus. It, it, it's not uh, inappropriate to say to the degree that our lives align with the words of the sermon uh, is the degree to which we're following Jesus. And to the degree that they, our lives don't align with that is, is a degree to which, you know, and that we're not following Jesus. We've noted in our study, it's, it's really like the Sermon on the Mount, it's a litmus test. You know, you following Jesus? 
Well, let's see. You know, we look at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we, we, we noted that, you know, Jesus makes it clear that those who do follow him, you all, will live, this is not hyperbole, will live radically distinct and uh, noticeably different than those who aren't following Jesus. It, it will be night and day <laughs> distinction between the two. In other words, you'll, if you follow Jesus in this world, uh, you will stand out like a sore thumb uh, from, from a world that that's th- those who are not following him. What may surprise us is that the way, according to, according to Jesus, probably the most fundamental way that we do stand out from those who aren't following Jesus, it's not um, because you go to church. You know, he goes to church all the time. It's not because you're, you're in Bible studies and people, oh, she's in Bible studies, he's in Bible studies. It's not, um, it's not even the things we just talked about in, in this Sermon on the Mount. You know, we spent four weeks on giving, prayer, and fasting. It's not even that, like, oh my gosh, that, they stand out, you know, the way they, it's, it's not those things. According to Jesus and the, 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 his focus in our section, but also in other places, um, the way we, we most stand out distinctly from those who aren't following Jesus is how we spend our money and how we use our stuff. It's like, really? Yeah, that, that, that's what Jesus will tell us here. How we view and what we do with money and possessions, you know, with our stuff um, is in fact how we stand out as those who follow Christ. Most distinctly stand out. This section we're in, by the way, Matthew 5, 19, begins at 19, goes to actually 34. Um, it, it, it's about two things. It's about wealth and it's about worry. Now today, I'm taking 19 to 24, and I'm talking about wealth. Rob, next week, will take uh, the second part all the way to 34, and he'll talk about worry. And you're gonna see how wealth and worry actually go together. Our text um, today, uh, it, it shows us three things and, and we're gonna walk through these. We're gonna look at two treasures. There's, there's doubles here, two treasures. We're gonna look at two eyes and we're gonna look at two masters. And when we go treasures, eyes, masters, okay, that's three different messages. No, it's, it's one thought as we're gonna see and we're gonna see how they connect. And when we get it, okay, when we go, okay, that's how they connect, it compels a response. Now, you know, we, we know we don't study the Bible just to be informed. We, we study the Bible because the word of God changes us. And so we always <clears throat> look at messages and go, okay, now how does that apply to our lives? Some passages more than others kind of hit that, hit you in the face with that. And this one does. If we understand this, uh, they these words demand a response and we will respond. Okay, look in your Bibles. We're gonna start in verse 19, chapter six with two treasures. Follow along as I read it. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be 
also. Throughout our text, Jesus is gonna compare and contrast two things, treasure on earth and treasure in heaven. And, and that's the big headings he's contrasting. And then he's gonna build a case for, uh, under those for each one. And, and, and we're gonna do that on the screens here to visualize how he does this. For the original audience, treasure, uh, you know, generically, it's what you think, it's valuables, it's what's precious to you, it's what you cherish, it's what those around us put value, so that's very valuable. That's what treasure is. Now, in this context, original audience, that, that value and, and, and that treasure lay at least in these three things. One would be in fine clothing. If you, you know, beyond just the daily wear, the fine clothing that some may have and, and, and purchase and pursue. The second thing would be in, in your, um, it's like your barns are full. That, that would be treasure that you have a, you have a barn full of grain or in your field, you have a field full of livestock and they're reproducing and they're healthy. That would be treasure. And the third thing, of course, would be money in, in, in coinage in that days would be coins. And so when we think about what Jesus says here, let's start with treasure on earth. And he says, there's treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. Think about that, moths eat clothing. So all your fine clothing that you treasure and value uh, is eaten where rust destroys. Rust, by the way, there, that, that word literally means um, eaten or consumed. And it's, we don't think it's so much um, oxidation, you know, like metal rust. I mean, it's the same idea, but the idea here is more, it's, it's, a, it's like a worm or a bacteria that destroys what? All the grain you have stored back there. You think you're wealthy? It's gone. It's been destroyed by a worm or the bacteria that's destroyed your livestock. And then this treasure on earth, um, thieves can break in and steal. Break in is literally dig through. Thieves can dig through and steal. That's what it says. And we'd read that and go, I don't get that. Well, think about it. They didn't have safe deposit boxes. So when they took their money, you know, more money than they need to spend that day, well, you dig a hole in your floor, it's dirt, or in your walls, clay, and you store it and you stash it in there. So a thief in that day would what? Dig through and take your stuff. Thieves didn't have to pick locks. They just had to have a, a shovel, right? And you could rob the whole neighborhood, so to speak. So there's treasure on earth. And then we're gonna see he contrasts that with treasure in heaven. Now, um, <clears throat> excuse me, here in heaven, there's still moth, rust and thieves, but they can't do any of the things they do. So there's the massive contrast between the two. Jesus, it seems, wants us to get our understanding of what treasure, because this is the question I, I have of the text. I think we will, and I'm gonna seek to answer this. Look, just tell me what treasure on earth is and tell me what treasure in heaven is and, and I'll, I'll deal with it. Just tell me what to do with what. Well, Jesus, it seems, doesn't wanna give us that specifics. He says, he says, let me, tell you that, let me tell you about the nature and characteristic of these two treasures. So we've got the nature and characteristic of treasure on earth. And now it's the opposite over here in heaven. For we look, you know, if we look over here at the nature and characteristic of things on earth, we'd say those things are perishable. They can be taken away. They're corruptible and then they're temporal. We'll go to the treasure in heaven. It's gonna be the exact opposite. They're imperishable. They can never be taken away. They are incorruptible and they are eternal. We're getting this 
contrast, and I hope you're seeing it's like a massive contrast. Well, what does it mean to, 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 to lay up? To lay up is to store, it's to put something somewhere for future use and to store it up. I read a new, recently read an article in the New Yorker on these um, treasure hunters in, in Great Britain, today's treasure hunters. And it's, it's, they, they do over there like we do here. And some of you may do this. There's a name for it. I don't forget the exact name, but you, you take the metal detector and you, you know, you're trying to find stuff. And if you see people doing that around here, it's usually at a construction site or something. They're looking for Civil War artifacts. Well, in Britain, uh, they are actually looking for something. And, and the jackpot, if they find it, is called a hoard. And, and what they are looking for is Viking hoard. And so, you know, hundreds of years previous, some Vikings marauded the town and they're on their way back to where they came from and they're loaded with stuff. You know, each individual soldier, they don't trust each other. They don't want anyone to have their stuff. And so, you know, what they do is these Vikings would, you know, see a tree by the road and think, I'm gonna bury it. And, you know, when all these, all these hooligans are gone, I'm gonna come back and get it, you know, for myself. And now people today find this hoard. But the idea being they, they, they bury this treasure so they can come back to it at another time. It's interesting um, that Jesus does not tell us, don't, uh, don't bury treasure. He doesn't say, you know, don't do it. Don't store up treasure for yourself. He actually says, store up treasure for yourself. And so anyone following Jesus is, is kind of like a treasure hunter, so to speak. The question is, where do we store our collected treasure? Where do we put it? Here? earth or it here, treasure in heaven. So verse 21 is still a part of this first part of two treasures. And it is so, so important. Note, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we get this, you really do get the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. Let me, let me say a few words about this first. You know, Rob and I have been careful to, to try and make very clear that, you know, throughout the Sermon on the Mount and the Bible itself, Jesus never, you know, Jesus doesn't separate our behavior uh, from our motives and attitudes. He doesn't say, you know, that's a whole different thing. Look, just behave. No, no, no. No, he says your, your behavior and what's within you, your attitudes and thoughts and within desire, they're connected. And how have we shown that? With an iceberg, you know, it's a, it's a good picture of the tip of the iceberg is above the water. And it's like, oh, you can behave this way, but it doesn't matter what's down inside of you. No, 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 Jesus drains the ocean and says, no, there's two thirds of this iceberg down here that's just as important as the part that's above. Another way we look at it is the heart. If you think about the heart as you know, thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices, that, that Jesus makes clear that, look, your behavior, your choices, that part of your heart that's sticking above the water that everybody looks at and goes, they're such a good Christian. That person is following Jesus because of what they do. That, that, that part matters, but it, it, it's connected to thoughts, emotions, and desires here that, that matter just as much. You cannot separate the two. Everybody with me on this? So when Jesus says this in 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, we ought to step back and go, whoa, because the heart is the control center of life. The heart is, <clears throat> is your essence. It's who you are. <clears throat> so therefore we put on our chart a heart here on earth or is our heart with treasure in heaven? And if the heart is here on earth, please know 
moths, rust, and thieves, the damage and destruction they'll do to treasure, that means, oh, that's the same damage to your heart if that's where your heart is. <clears throat> it also means these two things at least are these things. The heart follows the treasure. Said another way, wherever you are <clears throat> storing your treasure is where your heart is. So where, where, where do you store your treasure? That is where your heart is. It can't be, I'm gonna store my treasure here, but can I tell you my heart's over here with God, but I'm gonna store my treasure over here. That <clears throat> can't happen. Well, before applying this, we gotta get these next two sections because they clarify even what Jesus says up here. So I wanna grab two eyes and two masters, and then we're gonna apply this. Look at two eyes, from two treasures to two eyes. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Now, 22 and 23, it's like they're set parallel. 22, 23, and you can visualize this with me. He's, he, he says there's health, healthy and light. He says there's bad and darkness. So note the contrast is this. The contrast is between what's healthy and what's bad, between light and darkness. See the contrast? So now we, we say, okay, well then what does healthy mean and what does bad mean? Because these are contrasts. Well, healthy, it's an interesting Greek word, haplous, but interesting in the sense that it means singular. How about that? So it means, it means one, focus means singular. It also means generous. So we have words that mean more than one thing. Well, this one does too. It's singular and it's generous. <laughs> bad means bad. It means bad. <laughs> you know, bad means worthless. It means evil. So then that you got this contrast, light and darkness. Y'all, light in the Bible is always gonna point to life, wholeness, and good. Dark is always reflective of or, or demonstrative of death and brokenness and evil. So we get it, you know, get on our chart. Here's what, you know, the, the contrast between what is healthy and, and life and, and what is bad and death. I wanna grab the very last section before we apply it. Um, well, let me say this about the eyes. Carl, we were talking about it in between services. Let me just say this real quick. There's a tremendous controversy on whether these eyes, when it speaks of the eyes, is it speaking of the eyes letting light in or is it speaking of the eyes are the light that goes out? I told the, I told the team backstage, I said, y'all, this, this is so, there are so many smart people that disagree on this. I, I, you just wanna go, I can't, I can't figure it out if they can't. But I really, I, I really do believe we're, we're on solid ground to say, when we think of the eyes here, what the eyes look upon either puts light or darkness in us. We're not, we're not out of bounds to view it this way. Others view it differently. We're not out of bounds to view it this way. What our eyes look at 
it's either gonna make, it's gonna produce wholeness and life in here or darkness and death. All right, let's look at the two masters and we'll apply it. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, so we've got to add to our chart up here. Okay, on the one hand, you have God. On the other hand, you have money. <laughs> and, and on money, some of your Bibles may say mammon. It is the Greek word there, mammon. And mammon needs, mammon means uh, uh, an abundance of possession and resources. It, it's stuff. You could say it's wealth, um, worldly wealth, things that you have. Jesus, the point I, I want us to get on verse 24 is just simply this. My goodness, he is dogmatic that no one can serve two masters at the same time, isn't he? He says it twice. No one can and you cannot. That's the main point of that last verse. It's like, look, this contrast we're looking at up here, um, it is whew, it is way, way apart from each other. In fact, it's, they're so far apart, you cannot do both at the same time. I do want you to note when he says, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna love one and hate the other, that word hate, use it, it's, not the, it's not the pure emotion of hate. Think of, think of it this way. You know, when Jesus says in, in other parts of the gospels, he says, look, unless you hate your mom and dad, your brothers and sisters, you can't follow me. And we, we sit back and go, oh my gosh, we're not supposed to hate mom and dad. No, we honor mom and dad. What, what does he mean by hate there? He, he means it in terms of priority, in terms of allegiance, that if we're gonna follow Jesus, that our priority is Jesus, not any other relationship on the planet. And our allegiance is so focused on Jesus, you all, it's, it's as if, it's not true, but it's as if you hate everyone else. That's, that's the idea on this. The priority, and it's important in our application, the priority is Jesus. So with this last statement, Jesus does what we don't necessarily want to do and our lives reflect we don't like it when it's done. But I'm gonna do this visually for you. And that is to say, you have these contrasts back here, right? Well, Jesus takes and he separates them, such that you have, look, there is treasure on earth and there is treasure on heaven. But please know, they are so far apart, if I can borrow you know, biblical words, they are as far as east is from west. It's not like you can stand here with one foot treasure on earth and one foot treasure in heaven and straddle it through life. You cannot. You may think you are, we may think we are and we can, you can't. You're either here or you're here. And in between, can I say this? This is nothing. This is nowhere. No one lives here. This doesn't exist. You are, we are either here or we're there. And that's where I, I hope you feel appropriately. Ooh, this demands a choice. Jesus, Jesus demands a response of choosing. 
Before we make that choice, let me add a little bit more clarification. I'm gonna do it this way. Let me tell you three things Jesus is not saying first. What Jesus is not saying is, number one, it's wrong to have wealth. Y'all, the Bible doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say that. Um, It's not money's the root of all evil. Don't miss this. It's the love of money, i.e., it's like, it's what's under the waterline. What's your attitude? Where's your, where's your, where's your longing? Is it longing for, see, it's the love of, of money. No, you can have a lot of stuff. God blesses many with, with wealth. That is not what Jesus is saying. It's wrong. He's not saying it's wrong to have wealth. Secondly, he doesn't say we need to give everything away and live in poverty. Some, some, can read into that or some do that. that the, the Bible doesn't say that. Um, the, the answer, you know, the answer to this, like, are you, are you putting treasure on earth? Are you putting treasure in heaven? The answer is not, well, I'm gonna sell everything I own and give it all to the poor and the needy and I'm gonna live in poverty and that's gonna make me have treasure in heaven. No, it's not. Not at all. It's not what Jesus is saying and that's not the solution to this challenge. And the third thing Jesus is not saying is don't enjoy the things of this earth. You know, we have a false misconception if we, as Christians, live our life on this planet with the attitude, this place is terrible, it stinks, and I'm just living till I get home to heaven. Well, you're gonna be waiting a long time because heaven's gonna be back right here on this earth, in a renewed earth. And, and the, the earth itself and all that is in it, you all, do you, we understand it's a gift of God. It's, it's a gift to be, can I say this, enjoyed, delighted in. Food, drink, nature, the gifts of life, the, you know, all the sunsets, the tangible things of the world, they're, they're gifts to enjoy. And let's, so let's just, let's just enjoy them. I mean, as Christians, we should be enjoying earth, quite frankly, can I say this, more than anyone else and stewarding the environment and all the earth and all that is in it. We should care about this planet. It, you know what I'm saying? We shouldn't be those who say it's going to pot anyways, so we're waiting. No, 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 no. This earth matters to God and it's, it's ours to, to care for. So those are three things he's not saying. Let's match it up with three things he is saying, if I can do it this way. Here's what, one of the things that he is saying. Wealth is not neutral. Possessions are not neutral. We don't just have things. Things we have are continually seeking to have us. <laughs> they, they, they want to own us. It's a, it's a fact. It's, it's true biblically. Wealth is, is not neutral. Everything we own seeks to own us. Secondly, what you look at is what you become, this the picture of the eyes. And what are your eyes on? Are your eyes on light? Are your eyes on life? Um, whatever our eyes look at grows in our heart like germs on a Petri dish. So this is convicting to me, it's, and it should be appropriately convicting to all of us. I mean, what do we, what do we always look at? What do we, and again, there's good things to look at, but we need to be careful. Third, he's saying, Listen to Dylan. And you go, what in the world is that, Lloyd? Listen to Dylan. Well, I mean, listen to Bob Dylan. Because Bob Dylan said, 
You're gonna have to serve somebody. Anybody remember this? Am I the only one? Come on, you're gonna have to serve somebody? Bob Dylan in the Christian years, you know, for him. Um, he, he writes this song and I went back and I was reading the lyrics and it's just amazing because it's so long. This thing would take 10 minutes to sing on the radio, I think. But, but the, the, the gist of the song is, and I'm not gonna try and imitate it because who can imitate that? Um, it says, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. And then the chorus, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. And then y'all, this thing is long. It's like an essay. Cause he, he, he goes on like things like, you might be a state trooper. You might be a young Turk. You may be the head of some big TV network. You may be rich or poor. You may be blind or lame. You may be living in another country under another name, but what? You're gonna have to serve somebody. And he goes through every category of life. It's crazy. So the point being, you could, you could be a, a, a Saudi prince or you could be a pauper. Uh, you could be this, that, or the other. People may adore you. People may despise. It doesn't matter. Everybody was gonna have to serve somebody. And Jesus says, you're either serving, we, I'm either serving God with a little g or God with the big g. I, I'm, I'm either a slave to and serving earthly treasure or heavenly treasure. This is, these are the only two options. So what do we do? Let me give you one simple, I hope clear application. And that is start now and never stop laying up treasure in heaven. This is what I, I believe would be one application and perhaps the primary application. Start now and never, don't, don't ever stop laying up treasure in heaven. Why do I say start now? Because there is this tendency in our fallenness to think, well, when I have some treasure, I'll start putting it in heaven. Because <laughs> I look, Lloyd, you don't understand. I don't have much. It don't, it don't matter. <laughs> it does, it's not about how much you have. It's the issue of the heart. And what little you have or what lot do you have, whose is it? And it's God. So you, we can start now laying up treasure in heaven and may we never stop. So how do we get to this more concrete? Okay, Lord, what are you talking about? Are you telling me to sell my car? What, what are you talking about here? <laughs> well, Jesus, again, he doesn't, make a list of things that, you know, here's the things on earth and here's the things. And he doesn't make a list that way. He just gives us this. And it's as if he says, look, look at the character and nature of things on earth. Look at the character and nature of things in heaven. If you look at the character and nature of these things, then you'll see what treasure in heaven is and what treasure on earth is. And maybe a way to get this is use your imagination. And I'll ask you to use your imagination with me. Let's imagine you're going on a trip. You know, you pack up a few things and you get to the airport. Most all of us have been through this. Uh, you get to the airport, of course, today, you gotta go through security. So, you know, if you gotta, if you gotta carry on, right, that thing's gotta go on the conveyor belt and go through. And the next thing you can do, you know, you take everything out, take your belt off, take your shoes off, take everything, you know, that can't go through there. Throw it on the conveyor belt, right? And then you, you get in your line, you know, to the big screener, come into the big screener, you know, and you're waiting for the screener to hit you. 
I always forget something. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I had my pen in my pocket. Um, now, I say use your imagination because I want you to think this, you're actually not going on a trip, you know, to Tahiti or California. You've died. I know it's like a Pixar movie, but stick with me. You're going to heaven. And, and, and this screening thing you go through is, you know, nothing can get in to heaven that doesn't fit and match the characteristics of heavenly treasure. It, it can't go in. It, 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 if it fits these characteristics, it's got to stay behind. Does that make sense? So we go, okay, that's so, so, so what do I get to take in? Well, that's the question, isn't it? What gets in? Let's come at it from, from this side of what's in. Let's stand over here to say, okay, okay, so then I've, whatever's, whatever can get through, you know, is, it's gonna have to be imperishable. It can never be taken. It's gotta be incorruptible and eternal. So what, according to the Bible, fits those things? I'm gonna help us on this because you, you gotta think about this. And, okay, so if, if we go, what, 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 what are those things? Well, according to the Bible, and I'm just gonna grab a few of these things. And there's not many, by the way, but... I think the first place I would go is the, the Bible says the word of God lasts forever. So there's, okay, what, what does that mean? The word, well, God's truth and word, it, it lasts forever. It's imperishable, incorruptible. Okay, what else lasts forever? Well, the Bible says the souls of men last forever. In other words, can I say, your soul lives forever. Uh, you, you, the essence of who you are, we, we can say the heart, you know, it's careful to blend those two, but the, you, it, that, that lasts forever. So the word of God, and can we say the souls and the hearts of people last forever? We read our Bible and we go, okay, Paul said there, you know, faith, hope, and love abide. Like it's, there's a sense which faith, hope, and love last forever. And if I, if I put all of that together, at least we could come up with this that lasts forever. It would be, uh, one way to say it is um, Christian character lasts forever. That Christ likeness um, lasts forever. Uh, God's word as it shapes the human heart, that lasts forever. You know, at the fundamental level, of course, those who trust Christ, the gospel, they live forever. See, these are the things that last forever. So if, if you think about that saying, you can't take it with you, it's sort of true. I mean, you know, it is true, but it isn't true. Because while you, you can't take, when, when you die, I mean, I'm ter- you know, this is, I'm being silly when I say this, but you know, when you go through that thing, you know, if you're, if you're on your way to heaven, you know, even your flesh isn't going to get through because, <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll be reconnected later, but uh, nothing, you can't take anything with you. However, the life of a Christ follower, if I can describe it like this, this is what one way to describe the life of following Jesus. We, we would be those people who take the time on earth we are given, which is limited, it doesn't last forever, and all that we are given, I'm talking money, all that we have, time, talent, treasure, all that we have been given, 
this stuff, and it's stuff that doesn't last forever. It's, so we take our time and then all that we've been given, anything that doesn't last forever, and we live our life on this earth for things that do last forever. So we enjoy it all, but we recognize we're gonna steward all of it in ways that, I'm just gonna try and be as basic as I can, in ways that help people know Jesus, help people grow in Jesus, help people live their own lives this way and worshiping God and, and using all that they've been giving for the furtherance of God's kingdom. See, we live this way so that then when we do die, well, you can't take stuff with you, you can have sent a lot of stuff ahead. This is what the Bible teaches. Um, I'm, I'm taking a family on a, on a trip when, when our daughter, Susan's middle daughter graduates in May. I'm hoping my son and I, Darden likes to golf now. So I'm like, let's golf, you know, we go. And, and I said, hey, we'll, we'll ship our clubs ahead so we don't have to carry those things around forever, you know? So that's the idea. We're living our life and using all that God has given us to, to send stuff ahead. And it'll be there and it'll be forever. It'd be incorruptible, permanent, never to be taken away. That's the Christian life. So I'm gonna invite the worship team back out because I want, and I think it's appropriate that we respond by actually proclaiming these truths we're learning as we even think about the application. And as they're coming up, let me go back to this particular statement I made that healthy equals singular. So when Jesus says, look, you need to choose, we gotta choose, are gonna live for treasure on earth or treasure in heaven? Fundamental is that we have a, can I say this, a singular eye. And, and you know, in the Bible, the eye and the heart are often used synonymously. And we think of it this way, we have a singular eye, singular heart that's on God alone. That, that's the, the picture, the arrow I've got up here now, on God alone. Because this choice, I'm trying to show it visually, this choice is not one where you can stand here and go, well, you know, yeah, I'm gonna choose this one. You won't. No, no. The default mode is this one. And the only way we choose this is with the singular eye on God. And that begins with a heart that said to Jesus, I trust you, Jesus. You died on the cross for my sins, were buried and raised again. I trust you as my savior. See that in that we're, we're born again. We, we're given a new heart and, and we come to experience in our lives what JJ said earlier, what Carl has said, what we've sung, and that is, Jesus, you are my satisfaction. See, un until Jesus is your, is your satisfaction, okay, until that happens, you'll, we'll look for it over here in other ways. But when she, we're satisfied in Christ, I don't, I, don't, I don't need those things. I thought of this song we sent Carl, reminded me we sang it last week. Him and it, I, I, I learned it in college, but that little 
chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, this is not a will, there's never a willpower choice here. Oh my gosh, okay, I really want that one. She said, no, 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 no. When the singular eyes on Jesus, the things of the world grow strangely dim. Jesus is enough. He's everything and he's all. Here's the beautiful thing, y'all. Only then do we even truly enjoy the things of earth because they don't own us. I'm a slave of Jesus. He owns me and he's my all. So I, I, I love this stuff. I enjoy it, but it doesn't own me. Therefore, I live for treasure in heaven. What, what is your, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask you to think about this mentally and, and to, to decide. Are you gonna live for treasure on earth? Or are you gonna live for treasure in heaven? And I, and I mean this when I say it. Choose now. Don't wait. Perhaps it's making you realize, oh my goodness, I need to choose Jesus. <laughs> and indeed, we all must. Let's stand together. We'll be reminded in song, there is but one vision worthy, one vision that captures our hearts, just one that satisfies our soul. That vision is our high king of heaven alone.